You may be seated. We're reading today two portions of the Gospels, one of the letter that has to do with our day and uh, the note that we called to worship in the psalm. Beginning first with um, Matthew 13, 1 to 9. Do not worry about your life, what you will do, what you will drink, or about your body, what you wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? <clears throat> Who can add a span into their life? And why do we worry about things like clothing? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not nor spin. And yet I tell you that Solomon in all his glory was not like one of these. And then reading in to Matthew 13, 1 to 9. And it came that day that Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered, and he got into a boat, and he sat there while the whole crowd stood around on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some weeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground. Others did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, having no depth. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And then other seeds fell on good ground that brought forth grain, a number of hundredfold. And then in James chapter 4. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to such and such a town and spend a year there doing business and making money, yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. Instead, what we ought to say is, if the Lord wishes, we will live and we will do this or that. And finally, in Psalm 4610, which we quoted this morning, be still and know that I am God. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, take these words, make them live by your Holy Spirit until we know that uh, we are in your hands, not predicting, not certain, but trusting as we follow along with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was working my way through school in a clothing store uh, where the boss, uh, to be frank, was not one of the most admired people on anybody's list. Uh, another guy working in the department 
named Joe would constantly complain about his job. I hate it here, he'd say. He's out to get me, and I'm going to find another job as soon as I can. Well, some years after I left this job, I ran into one of my former colleagues who still lived and shopped at that store. And in our conversation, I said, oh, by the way, um, did Joe ever find another job? No, no, he's still there and now complaining about the new boss. <laughs> Joe's one day I'm going to quit had apparently not yet come. You may remember and know some of those Joes yourself. A remember when person who measures everything by the past. Or a one day aisle guy who spends a lot of time dreaming about a better future. The present moment is lost to these people because they're focused on the future or on the past. And there's no real joy, as we can tell, in the here and now for them. Now, to be fair, most of us reflect on our past and we dream a little bit, don't we? We think about our future memories, and that's not a bad thing. The question, though, is at what expense? Is there something that I've missed because I've been engaging in reverie or in dreaming about the future? New Year's Eve tends to draw us into the past. And New Year's Day always draws us into the future. What happened to our world in 2018? We've already probably watched a couple of television programs that have described that. And what is going to be our resolution for 2019, our New Year's resolution? All interesting, but as we enter into this new year, uh, here's another question. How will I view the approximate 950 awake minutes that are allotted to me each day? Who will I invite to share them with me? My spouse, my family, my church friends, my smart TV, my Lord. During Advent season, we've been talking about where home is, where God seeks to make his home. And on this final Sunday of the year, let's add one more. Our Lord wants to be at home with us in the moment we're in, as well as the memories of 2018 and the dreams of 2019. Right now, in this very moment, and all the moments going forward, he wants to make his home with us. Well, if you haven't exactly caught on yet, which I'm sure you have, this message is about being present, being in the moment with God. Did you know that in the scriptures, there are 10 references to the present for every reference to the past or the future? To every reference to remember, there are 10 heartfelt prayers, songs of adoration, pleas of the prophets, appeals to follow the Lord, and of course, the teachings of Jesus, who said so much about being present. For example, in the scripture that we read, he taught about a planter sowing seed, sowing it on three types of soil, hoping that each portion could be receptive and productive. Now, his assumption was that all three pieces of land would be open to receive the seed. And when he sows on the rocky soil, there is no depth. The plants wither and die. He tries the thorny soil, but it's overrun with other cares, and the plants also wither and die. Only in the good soil, fresh, 
present and open to receive the word, do strong roots bear fruit? You know, the interesting part of this story to me is that those who were following Jesus didn't get it, which led Jesus to say, seeing they do not perceive, hearing they do not listen, nor do they understand. Would they have understood Jesus if he'd been truly present with him that day? Fully open and without preconceived notions? I don't know. But the point is that like the good soil, God was calling us to be present and accessible to him. You know, when we think about it, we only have one sure moment. This one. We can only experience God in this present moment. Of all the possible points of time, only this present moment is available. The past cannot be taken back and remade in this moment. The future remains outside our reach in this moment. The past is a done deal. The future is all guesswork. Of all the possible points of time, the only, only the present time, if you think about it, is available for our repentance. It is the only space within which we can meet God, invite him into our presence, listen and watch and discern what he wants us to hear and to do. And only we can choose whether or not to live in that present moment. So why then do we often consciously not spend more time in the present? I think there are at least two reasons, there are probably more. One is our unique makeup. Even though our bodies are made to function in the right now and in the present, our minds don't have that limitation. This is a gift of God to us, the ability to think about something, to step back from what we see, treasure a moment, imagine a different future. But at the same time, living in the moment, I believe God gave us these gifts in his grace so he could have a unique fellowship with us in that moment. The problem is that the good soil of our lives, the openness and availability to God in our present moments can often get crowded out of our awareness. We don't notice something in the present because we're thinking about what we did yesterday or years ago or what we're gonna be doing in 30 minutes or tomorrow or the next weekend. We know we can't change the past, but can we predict the future? Not according to the Apostle James, whom we just read. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. And the second reason that we may not be willing to be in the present is sometimes it doesn't feel good to just suspend ourselves in the present. When we try to be in that moment, sometimes it gets painful and we get anxious. Memories come flooding back and disappointments and fears, and we feel like we just can't stay in that state. Sometimes we take the pain out of the moment by imagining that we're in charge. We resonate, some of us, to the words of the British poet William Henley, who said, my head is bloody but unbowed. It matters not how straight the gate, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my ship. Or if we don't want to go that deep into literature, maybe we'll just sing the song of Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. (laughs) 
But when all is said and done, we stay often out of the present moment because we're anxious. It's not the only reason, but it's certainly the main reason that Jesus pointed out that is a problem for most of us who follow him. We worry. We live with regret or anxiety. We, one talking head I heard the other day said, uh, every car ought to have a bumper sticker on it today with everything that's going on. It says, I'm an anxious person in an anxious world living among anxious people. If there's a reason to be anxious, we know it. But anxiety isn't just a problem out there. We have our own unique anxieties, don't we? And this in Jesus' mind is the thing that most keeps us from fully being present with him and to others. Now, there are a lot of answers to that. You can go uh, to a psychiatrist or a psychologist and get a nice uh, uh, treatment and therapy. But in the scriptures, there's one word that just seems to flow through circuitously through the scripture, and that is don't worry. Don't worry. Don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, drink, or about your body. Don't let the worries of tomorrow affect your relationship with me now. Don't allow your heart to get off center from being fully present with me. Make me your treasure. Make me your focus, your master. Really the only master you can trust with authority over your life and future with your best interest in mind. And then to bring home his message, Jesus points to an interesting illustration that I want to spend a minute on. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So what does looking at birds tell us about addressing our anxieties? What about birds? Talk to us about those things that keep us from being present with God. But one person said, well, if you really want to help somebody who is anxious, I don't think I'd start off by saying, uh, be like birds. <clears throat> so what's going on? Jesus here, I think, is drawing our attention to two important things about birds that help us to address the anxiety that may be in our lives. The first thing we learn from the birds is what I call a surrender to being who they are. Not someone they're not. They're not trying to be anything other than what they are. A bird is not frustrated that it's not a bear or a fish. Now that's not to say we wouldn't want our lives to be different or better or improve, get more education. But I think what Jesus is saying is that God made us fundamentally to be who we are. And it's a good thing. And it's right to be at peace with that. So if we go through life and we say, why can't I be like so-and-so? Why can't I have that? Why can't I do what they do? The word of Jesus is, <clears throat> watch the birds. They're not you. God made you to be you, and he has a purpose in that. And it's important to accept our temperament and our personality. 
our family of origin and our peace that with him, it may not be perfect, but it was God's plan and there can be goodness and there can be redemptive power in that. Think about it this way. If we allow Jesus to be at home with us every moment of the day, if we're surrendered to him, then yes, we have God moments and we hear about those all the time, but it wouldn't be more realistic to say that every moment of our life, of the moments we're in presence with God could be God moments. God working with us in ways we could hardly imagine to bring about goodness and love and be without fear and undue struggle. I like what Mother Teresa once wrote. She wrote, with God, each moment is all we need, not more. In his book, uh, Beyond Personality, C.S. Lewis wrote, the real problem of the Christian life comes where people don't usually look for it. It comes the very moment you wake up in the morning and all your cares and wishes rush at you like wild animals. And the first job in the morning is shoving them all back, just listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting the stronger, larger, quieter life come flowing in. And so on all day, he continues, stand back from all your natural fussing and fretting Come in out of the wind. Be called to the present. Stop regarding things in your life as interruptions. What I might call an interruption of my life is really the life that God is forming in me every day and every moment. Which brings us to the final passage that we've already read. In Psalm Be still and know I am God. You know, literally it means to stop and let go because you need and I need to come to a place where we allow God to express what he was, what he has, what he wants for us to orchestrate his plan. What that is is letting God be home with us in the moments of our day. Here's my wish, that you will wake up and say, good morning, Lord, full of hope and faith. Not that you will wake up and turn the TV on and say, good morning, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> but even the best is to wake up and say, Lord, it's morning. Be home with me. Use me as you will. I am still, and I am listening.